right, we are launching our new series for Christmas today, and uh, this is the first message uh, in this series that will last the next three weeks, and as you have probably figured out, we're just calling it Christmas, and uh, I'm, I'm just very excited. I love Christmas, and there's so much about Christmas that I love, um, and as I was studying, uh, my mind just went to this word, and, and um, I want to explain a little bit about where we're going in the next three weeks and what this is all about. And to do that, I just want to dissect this word Christmas with you. And if you've never done any studying on the word Christmas and where it came from, this might be new to you or it might be review for you. But uh, let me just dissect this word and, and uh, talk about what this means. The word Christmas is a combination of two uh, words that, that were a part of the Roman Catholic tradition for many, many centuries. The first word is Christ, which is uh, the Greek word for the Hebrew word Messiah. And so if you're taking notes this morning, there's space there in your notes that you can jot this stuff down. Uh, the words Christ and Messiah are the same words. Uh, Christ is Greek, Messiah is Hebrew, and the Messiah was the savior of Israel that the Jews were waiting for for centuries that had been prophetically promised the na- to the nation Israel. And so uh, as, as Christianity was growing and the language moved from the, from the Bible languages uh, into the Roman languages, of course, Greek was used. And so that's where the word Christ came from. Uh, some people that I run into every once in a while, somebody asks me this, uh, they think that the word Christ is Jesus's last name because we call him Jesus Christ. And, and I mean, if you weren't raised in church, didn't go to Sunday school, that would be a logical conclusion, right? But really Christ isn't a name. It's a title. It's saying that Jesus is the Messiah. And so that's what the word Christ means. Now the word mass, M-A-S again, is related to the Roman Catholic tradition of celebrating the Mass. And so the Christ Mass was the once-a-year Mass that was celebrated uh, around the time of the birth of Jesus or when we celebrate the birth of Jesus. And, uh, and that's simply what it means. So over the centuries, Christ Mass just became one word, and today in English we call it Christmas. And a lot of people don't even know the origins of those words, but that's what it means. But there's a couple of cute things, not cute things, cool things. I don't know where the word cute came from. I'm talking too fast. A couple of cool things that when I was studying, I just kind of geeked out on. And the first one is this. That word mass that uh, comes from the Catholic tradition also can refer to the mission of Jesus. There's a connection in the words between mass and mission. And uh, as you're going to see today, as we work through our message together, you're going to see that Christmas is an important time to understand and celebrate and act on the mission of Jesus in the world. But then there's another little thing that I geeked out on, and it's just simply because I'm married to a Mexican girl, and her family speaks a little bit of Spanish. Uh, I I noticed that that word mass, M-A-S, if you put a little accent over the A, turns into the Spanish word for more. And as I was just fiddling around with these words and thinking about where uh, we would go with this Christmas teaching series, I just thought about this word Christmas, and, and I thought, you know what, what, what we need more than anything this Christmas is more of Christ. We need Moss Christ. So turn to your neighbor and say, we need Moss Christ. Would you do that? 
that's, that's just where we're going. So for the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about how we can have more of Jesus this season and how we can stay on the mission with Jesus. And that's just very simply where we're going. And today, what we've called this week's message is Christ the promised one, and we're going to talk about how he is the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament prophecies for Messiah. So just before we get into that teaching, I want to share a video with you that I uh, came across a few weeks ago. I was watching TV, and there's a comedian by the name of Chris Rock. Uh, Many of you are probably familiar with Chris Rock. Uh, He's generally not a comedian that you would see performing in a church, Uh, but he had a bit about Christmas that just struck me, and there's a ring of truth to this, and I thought it would be a a perfect way to start this message series. So take a look at this. (laughs) It's a miracle. We commercialize everything. Look what we did to Christmas. Christmas. Christmas is Jesus' birthday. It's Jesus' birthday. Now, I don't know Jesus. But from what I've read, Jesus is the least materialistic person to ever roam the earth. No bling on Jesus. Jesus kept a low profile, and we turned his birthday into the most materialistic day of the year. Matter of fact, we have the Jesus birthday season. It's a whole season of materialism. Then at the end of the Jesus birthday season, we have the nerve to have an economist come on TV and tell you how horrible the Jesus birthday season was this year. (laughs) Oh, we had a horrible Jesus' birthday this year. Hopefully business will pick up by his crucifixion. (laughs) Yes. But, you know, you try to help. Jesus, Jesus tried to help. Isn't that funny? But it's true, isn't it? I, I mean, we've, we've just lost track of what Christmas is all about. And I, I thought from somebody who, who says, I don't know Jesus, uh, there was a lot of truth in what he said. And so uh, I think we need more Jesus this season. Uh, and, and that's what we're going to be talking about. So uh, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, Christmas was a really big deal. How many of you would say it was a big deal when you were growing up? Uh, and, and in our family, it was all about the decorations, even more about the presents. And uh, my birthday is in December. And so December was a huge celebration time in my family. Uh, early December was my birthday and there were presents and excitement and cake and all that stuff. And then by the time December 25th rolled around, I was just overwhelmed with excitement and overstimulation from, from all of the stuff that Christmas was all about. I found a picture this week that I wanted to share with you. Uh, this is my mom and dad, and I would be the small one in the center of that picture. And, uh, I think I was kind of cute back then. Uh, but but I, what I wanted you to see, you can say, aw, that's... That w- um, all right, thanks for indulging me. <laughs> little plaid vest, yes. Yeah. Yeah, it, I'm sure it's red. So what I wanted you to see, <laughs> what I wanted you to see in this picture is the stack of presents behind my family. You see that stack of presents behind the Christmas tree? This was typical for my family. Uh, We'd have a Christmas tree and early in December, the presents would start stacking up. Some of them would be for my birthday and then the rest of them were, were being held for Christmas Eve. And in my family, we always opened presents on Christmas Eve and, and Santa would come on Christmas morning. Uh, but, but the presents would stack up and I, I still look at pictures like this with amazement because we, we, uh, had so much 
when I was a kid. And there were so many presents, stacks of presents. And I would get so excited for Christmas Eve to open all of those presents and imagining what my parents had gotten me and what was in this box and that box. And I wasn't allowed to touch them or shake them. God forbid that I should open one up. In fact, to this day, we have a rule in my family that if you guess what's in the box, you have to take it back. And so, uh, that, so there was just no guessing. There was no touching. But I would get so excited about Christmas. And this is an exaggeration. This is the truth. I would get so excited that I would make myself sick. And so I asked my mom one time why we have so few pictures of Christmas in my family. And she said, because the pictures were terrible because little Russell was always green. And um, I, I just made myself sick every Christmas. And, and so for me as a child, that's what Christmas was all about. And the waiting was just unbearable. Do you remember what I'm talking about? And, and, and still for me, when my wife gets me a present, the waiting is unbearable. I just can't wait to open that present. And, and this is kind of what the people of Israel were experiencing about the time of the birth of Jesus. The waiting was unbearable. They had been promised that the Messiah was coming. We're going to take a look at those scriptures in just a moment. They knew that the Messiah was promised to them, but the waiting was unbearable. And maybe you can relate to that a little bit. Uh, many of us have been waiting for something for many, many years. Maybe you're waiting now. Maybe you are waiting for God to change something in your life. Maybe you're one of the, the connectors here who has been waiting for God to bring healing to you from some sort of sickness or disease. Uh, we, we get lots of prayer requests every week from people who need a change in their health situation. Or maybe for you, it's your financial situation. You've been praying and praying and praying that God would change your situation and you're waiting. And the wait has become very, very long. Some of, some of us are, are praying for God to bring us somebody to take away the loneliness. And you've been waiting and waiting for that change and that shift to happen. Uh, and, and, and maybe you've gotten a little tired of the wait. Um, some of you have been waiting for God to reveal himself to you. Uh, we have lots of people here in the Connect Church family who have spent a good part of their lives as skeptics. And, and you've been waiting for God to prove himself to you. And you're looking for some sort of concrete evidence of the existence of God. And you're just waiting and you're searching and you're trying to find out, is this God thing even real? You're, you're in this period of waiting. Or maybe God has promised you something. Uh, you've been walking with God for a long time and following Christ. And, and you feel like God has given you some sort of specific promise. And you've been waiting and the wait has gotten very long. Uh, Chris and I understand how that feels. I've shared with you before that uh, we, we waited for a very long time for God to give us children. And, and uh, finally, after we had been married for about 15, 16 years, it became very clear that we were not going to have biological children of our own. Uh, but we waited and we believed that God had promised us children. Uh, in fact, from the time we were first married, people that we trusted spiritually, people that we believed really knew God well, uh, would, would give us promises speaking on behalf of God. They would say things like, uh, I, I was praying this morning and I just felt like God told me he's going to give you children. 
Uh, in fact, one of the most significant experiences we had in that vein uh, was when we hosted a, a, a pastor from Missouri. His name is Kent Henry, worship leader and, and, a, and a, a worship pastor. And we hosted him in our church. And I'll, I'll never forget, Chris and I have talked about it for years. He got off the plane and we met him for the first time in the airport. And he greeted us and he said, do you guys have children? And we said, no, not yet. And he said, your children are going to be mighty in the kingdom. And this is somebody that we trusted as a spiritual leader. And, and he gave us this message as a prophecy. And we hung on to this. We believed that it was a promise from God. And, uh, and we waited and we waited. And when we weren't getting pregnant by natural means, we started to see a f- fertility doctor. And finally, those doors all closed. And then we tried adoption and those doors closed. And we never, ever were able to have our own biological children. And then we realized one day, you know what? As the years went on, we had more and more young adults who came into our lives that started calling us mom and dad. And now they're all over the world. Uh, some of them are doing significant things for God in other countries of the world. And we have children literally doing mighty things for God around the world. They're just not children that we birthed. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had a, a family come back to connect who had moved away and, and they were gone for several years and they came back and they're now back in the Bozeman area and connected back with us. And the first thing they asked when they came in the, in the doors were, have, did you ever have children? And uh, we gave them the answer that we're telling people most of the time now. We said, no, we gave birth to a church. And so, uh, so we waited and we waited. Maybe you can relate to this story in some way. We waited. But what happened was the way God fulfilled that promise wasn't the way that we expected. It was a different, it was a different answer to the promise than what we expected. And this is what we're going to see with Jesus. The people were waiting for a Messiah But the Messiah that came looked a lot different than what they expected. And so uh, I want you to know today that God always keeps his promises. God always keeps his promises. But the answer to your uh, wait may be different than what you expect. So let's take a look at some of these promises that God gave the people of Israel. We're going to start in the Old Testament uh, meaning this, these are very ancient texts that were written long, 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 centuries even before Jesus came on the scene. But these were promises, prophecies of what the Messiah would be like. And we're going to start in Isaiah chapter 9. Uh, the, the verses are up on the screen if you want to take a look at them with me. The first one is Isaiah 9, 6, and this is what we read. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And even though this is written in the present tense, this was a future prediction. The government shall be on his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This was a promise that the prophets had given to the nation Israel. And then in the book of Micah, which is a little later in the Old Testament, but, but still centuries before Jesus, we find this prophecy. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be a ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient of days. And this, 
This prophecy was fulfilled, uh, if you want to take a look at it, in Luke chapter 2, verse 11. We're not going to read that this morning, but this was, was, was fulfilled. Jesus was born in the little town of Bethlehem. Oh, little town of Bethlehem. No, I thought you'd sing with me, but you're not picking it up. Okay. Then the last one I want to read is from Isaiah. You're just mouthing the words, but thank you for joining. Uh, Isaiah 7 is the last one that I want to read. Uh, and, and, and again, centuries before Jesus was born, Isaiah writes, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which of course means God is with us. Now, this prophecy in particular was so specific. What's the likelihood that a young woman who has never had any kind of sexual relationship with a man will suddenly find herself pregnant? Uh, it was a very specific prophecy. And the likelihood of this coming true would seem like it was absolutely astronomically, astronomically slim, right? And yet this is what we find in the story of Jesus. So now for, fast forward to the first century AD and we find this story about the birth of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1. Here's what we read. It says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin... She became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Now let me tell you this. I am a huge Joseph fan. This is a really interesting story because, because Joseph, as a Jewish man, being engaged to be married to Mary, would have expected that on their wedding night he would find that she was a virgin. And the penalty for sex outside of marriage was steep. Uh, because Mary had found herself pregnant, she could have been legally put to death by stoning because she had evidently committed adultery. That's what it looked like from the outside looking in. But what we see in this story here is that Joseph, evidently, the, the scriptures just call him a good man, but evidently he had a great deal of compassion and he didn't want Mary to be judged. He didn't want her to be executed. Uh, there must have been a great deal of affection for her because he decided to break the engagement, but he was just going to quietly send her away so that she wouldn't be penalized. She wouldn't be judged. She wouldn't be punished. But he wasn't going to be married to her because she was considered tainted. Do you understand what I'm saying? Here's how the story continues. It says, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And the angel said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Like I say, I'm a huge fan of Joseph because here's what we, what we read. It says, all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child 
She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That was a direct quote of the scripture from Isaiah that we already read. And then it says this, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and he took Mary as his wife. Here's this man, he's compassionate, he's loving, and he's quick to obey the word of the Lord. Men, we need to pay attention to Joseph. We need to be these kinds of men that when God speaks, we act. All all you women want to say amen? That was a good man. That was a good man. But here's what I want you to see here this morning. If you're taking notes, this is what you can write down. Jesus was the promised one. Jesus was the promised one. Matthew is very careful to point out the fact that Jesus was the fulfillment of these prophecies that pointed to him. He was born of a virgin. What a specific promise that was. And Matthew wants us to know this wasn't any ordinary birth. Mary was a virgin. She was the fulfillment of that prophecy from the book of of Isaiah. Secondly, he was born in Bethlehem. That, That in itself was a very specific promise that Jesus fulfilled. He was God with us. And as as Jesus' ministry would unfold years later, we see that he was performing the works of God as God himself walking among people. All of these prophecies were were fulfilled and, and the people began to realize this is the Messiah we were waiting for. But what the angel said to Joseph, we're going to rewind just really quickly. What the angel said to Joseph was different from what the people were expecting. They were looking for a Messiah that would overthrow the Roman government and would would restore, restore Israel to its former glory. But what the angel said to Joseph is, name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. This was different than what the people were looking for. Now I want to take just a moment and talk about the name Jesus. And if you're taking notes, you can write this down. The name Jesus means the Lord saves. The Lord saves. Now the name Jesus when Jesus was born, was a pretty common name. There were little boys running around all over the place that were named Jesus. Uh, In the Hebrew language, it would have been pronounced Yeshua, or we know the name from the Old Testament to be Joshua. It was a very popular name in Israel, and lots of little boys were named Joshua, Yeshua, Jesus, however you want to pronounce it. And I've always thought it was interesting that here in our American culture, nobody names their children Jesus, right? In our culture, that's not even on our list of baby names at all. Uh, Why? I think it's because we think of Jesus as being the proper name of God, right? And and it's it's a name that we wouldn't just so flippantly want, you know, you'd, you'd never say, Jesus, come in here and clean up your room. I mean, that would just be so inappropriate, right? And yet in, in, in other cultures, it's a very common name. Uh, you go south of the American border and in Hispanic cultures, the name Jesus is very, very common. And, and I've always thought it was kind of a funny thing, you know, whenever we've traveled out of the country and we run into people named Jesus. One of the mission trips we were on, we had a bus driver named Jesus. And I always just kind of giggled to myself because I just thought it was funny that Jesus was driving our bus, right? Um, <laughs> But in, in the culture in which Jesus Christ was born, that name was a very common name. But the reason that the angel said to name him Jesus was because that name means 
the Lord saves. And it referred to the mission of Jesus. You see, the people were looking for some sort of a political solution to their oppression. They were tired of being under the thumb of Rome. But they were unaware that the mission of the Messiah was to save them, not from Rome, but from their sins. It wasn't what they thought it was going to be. Let me ask you a question this morning. What if Christmas isn't what we think it is? What if Christmas isn't what we think it is? What if Christmas isn't all about the decorations? And what if Christmas isn't all about the presents? I love presents. I've told you that many times. I love presents. But what if Christmas isn't just about the presents? Is it possible Christmas is about something much, much bigger than what we make it about? What if Chris Rock is right? What if there's more? Yesterday, Chris and I spent most of the day decorating our house for Christmas. And because I love Christmas and Chris does too, uh, our whole married life, we've collected a lot of Christmas decorations. In fact, we have so many Christmas decorations, we literally can't put them all out every Christmas. So we rotate them from year to year. It's kind of, it's really ridiculous. And every year we say we should get rid of a lot of stuff and we never do. It just goes back down a box in the crawl space. And so uh, <laughs> you can't get rid of it either. No, you got to keep them, right? So uh, yesterday we started decorating our house for Christmas and, and Christmas Chris was down in the crawl space because she's shorter than me. And she's hollering at, up at me, do you want this box? And which box should we start with? And, and so she was handing boxes up to me. And we put up our snow village. And then we decorated the tree. And we're putting different things out. And, and, and we were getting to the end. And, and at one point, Chris said, it looks like Christmas threw up in our house. And it really does. Because um, everything is decorated, right? And at one point, Chris hollered up at me from the crawl space, and she said, do you want the nativity scene? And the first thing I thought of was this old nativity scene that we've had from the very first year we were married. And it's made out of wood, and it's covered with moss, and, and it's all falling apart. And, you know, every year we're gluing something back together, and the animal's legs have broken off, and, you know, it's, it just looks pretty tacky, you know. And so my first thought was, uh, a, we don't have any room for it, and B, it's all broken and tacky looking. So I said, Chris, no, let, let's not put it up this year. And Chris said, well, we gotta have, we got to have something with Jesus in it. And so she went back down and she found, we found these little nutcrackers a few years ago from Target. There's a Joseph nutcracker and a Mary nutcracker holding a little baby Jesus. And so she brings these up and she said, let's put these out. <laughs> so I took them from her and, and we found a little place in our house. And I thought, you know, Chris was exactly right. We have to have Jesus somewhere because he's what it's all about, right? We've got all this other stuff, but we've got to make sure it's about Jesus. So I set up these two little nutcrackers in a place where we will walk by them every single day, multiple times a day. They're in this perfect little place. And, 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 and I put them there and I thought to myself, I want to make sure that I make this Christmas about Jesus because that's what it's all about. It's not about everything else. It's, it's all about Jesus. And, and, and I don't want to put anybody on any kind of guilt trip because I love all the, all the Christmas stuff. I love Rudolph and I love Santa. I love Frosty. I love the Grinch who stole Christmas. I love it all. But listen, it's not about that. The point of Christmas is the story that Jesus came to save his people from our sins. That's the whole idea. Jesus came to save his people from their sins. And so the big idea that I hope you'll write down today, and I hope you'll think about this, is that we need moss 
saving this Christmas. We need more saving. We need more of the mission of Jesus. We need more. We need mas, whatever you want to say, we need more. And we need the salvation that Jesus came to give us. Earlier this week, I was listening to an NPR radio broadcast, and they had a story that just grabbed my attention. Uh, and, And I didn't know this before, but this year is the 50th anniversary of the cartoon special, A Charlie Brown Christmas. 50 years. And I had no idea. I knew it played when I was a kid, but 50 years ago would have been 1964. And they had a whole story about, uh, about how Charles Schultz created that animated special for Christmas and how it's been played every year since then. And the story was really interesting because there were three things they highlighted that Charles Schultz wanted as a part of this TV special that the producer said will never work. The first thing was he wanted jazz music to be the soundtrack of, of, the, of the TV special. And the producer said, nobody wants to hear that jazz crap, you know, and, and it's, it's going to destroy the whole special. So we've got to get pop music. We've got to get something kid sounding, you know, like Frosty the Snowman has. And Charles Schultz said, no, I want jazz music to be the soundtrack. And so the commentators were saying, uh, it's so interesting because it was so out of the box, but that music that's part of the soundtrack is so iconic. We hear that music, that piano part, and, and, and our mind goes right to those images of Charlie Brown, doesn't it? And, and it was critical. It was a great decision, but Charles Schultz had to fight for that. The second thing was he wanted real kids to voice his characters. And the producers were saying, no, we'll get adults who will sound like children. And Charles Schultz said, no, they absolutely have to be real children. And they said, it'll never work. But of course it did work. And then the third thing that Charles Schultz had to fight for is he wanted the Bible story to be the centerpiece of that, of that cartoon special. And this was the one where the the producer said, there's absolutely no way it's going to work. In fact, they told him, if you put in the Bible story, it'll play in 1964 and nobody will ever see it again. But it has been playing for 50 years. And interestingly, the NPR commentator ended his story by saying, and we expect that it will be on TV for the next 50 years. Isn't that a great story? And Charles Schultz understood what the Christmas season was all about. It's about the mission of Jesus to bring salvation to the world. And I just think that's a wonderful thing. Would you like to see a little part of that that clip? Let's take a look at it. We're back. stupid Charlie Brown. What kind of a tree is that? You are supposed to get a good tree. Can't you even tell a good tree from a poor tree? I told you he'd goof it up. He's not the kind you can depend on to do anything right. You're hopeless, Charlie Brown. Completely hopeless. Rats. You've been dumb before, Charlie Brown, but this time you really did it. (laughs) What a treat. I guess you were right, Linus. I shouldn't have picked this little tree. Everything I do turns into a disaster. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? 
Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Linus is right. I won't let all this commercialism ruin my Christmas. I love that Charles Schultz understood the mission of Jesus, and that's what Christmas was all about. Let me tell you what the mission of Jesus is. This is what it is. The angel started it when, when the angel said to Joseph, name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus himself said in his own words, Luke chapter 19, the son of man came to seek and to save those who are lost. Do you know that Jesus sought you out? He is seeking you out. And he wants to bring salvation to you. One of my favorite verses is found in John chapter 3, verse 17. It says this, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The mission of Jesus is all about saving you, saving me, saving us. This is what Christmas is all about. And we need moss saving. We need more of the mission of Jesus in our lives. So what do we do with this? Let me give you three next steps. And then we're going to sing together and we'll close. If you guys want to come. 
First next step is this. Let me encourage you to keep your focus on Jesus this Christmas. It's so easy to lose focus. It's so easy to get distracted with all the stuff we got to do and the presents we have to buy and the parties we have to go to. It's just so easy to lose our focus. But I want to encourage you today to make a decision to make Jesus front and center this Christmas season. Uh, Don't let the busyness rob you of your time with Jesus. Would you make church a priority? Be here every Sunday. Make Christmas Eve a priority to be here and make Jesus the centerpiece of your celebrations. Make sure that you're spending time reading your Bible, spending some time in prayer, spending some time in worship every day. Make sure that Jesus is is your focus this Christmas season because we need more of him. We really, really do. Second next step is this. Stay on mission. You hear me talking about this all the time, but it's so critical because especially at Christmas, it ought to be all about the mission of Jesus. And we need to be his hands and feet and, and, and touching the world, uh, with the power of Jesus through us. How do I do that? Well, watch for hurting people that need love. If you keep your eyes open, I guarantee you, you will find people that are hurting and that they need somebody to love them, somebody to hug them, somebody to give, somebody to share, somebody to just spend time with them. Watch for some hurting people. If you've got people that need to be reconnected with God, uh, I encourage you to invite them to connect over the next few weeks. We've got really easy to use invite cards right back there at the, at the welcome booth. And they're in little packs of five or six, easy to tuck into your wallet. Use those to invite people to church and also to Christmas Eve. And, uh, and, and who knows, maybe just a simple invitation might help somebody reconnect to God. Uh, and, and I would encourage you also, tell your story. Tell people how Jesus has changed your life. You don't have to be a preacher to just share uh, how Jesus has taken you from this to that. That's what it means to tell your story. What were you like before you met Jesus? How has Jesus changed you? If you'll tell your story, a lot of times that can be a catalyst for helping somebody else come to Jesus and experience saving, which is the mission of Jesus. And then I couldn't resist as one of our next steps, just for fun. Uh, I, I hope that you'll take the time to watch the Charlie Brown Christmas special on its 50th anniversary. It'll be on TV on December 16th. I don't know the network or the time, but you can probably figure that out. But that would be a fun way to just keep uh, the meaning of, of Christmas in front of you, especially if you've got kids. Share that with them. In fact, uh, I had a dad come up to me at the end of first service this morning, tears in his eyes. And he said to me, Russ, this week I was showing my daughter. They've got a daughter about two years old. I was showing my daughter the the Peanuts Christmas special. He said, and I was so moved when they got to the Christmas story. He said, who does that? What animated Christmas special has the Jesus story as the centerpiece? And he had tears in his eyes. He said, and then you showed it this morning. I feel like Jesus is saying something to me. And uh, it's cool how God uses these little things to speak to us. So keep those next steps in in front of you. And uh, let's have more of Jesus this Christmas season. Would you put your things aside and let's stand together. Great closing song this morning, all about the mission and all about the grace of Jesus. Sing along with Ben and let's worship. 
Let's pray together. Would you bow your heads? Jesus, we want to take your light and we want to shine it all around. And I think that's a really great description of what it means to be on mission, Jesus, is to just take what you've given us and sharing it with other people. I pray, Lord, that you will help us to keep you as a priority this Christmas season. Help us, Lord, not just for ourselves, but for everyone around us, Lord, to keep your mission our mission. You came to seek and to save those who are lost. So, Lord, help us to be sensitive to those that are around us. Lord, help us to share and and take your light and just shine it all around. And we just thank you, God, for what I believe you can do through us this Christmas season. And now while your your eyes are closed, if you uh, just keep your eyes closed for just a moment, I would love to pray with any of you that are here this morning that you need the saving that Jesus came to offer. In first service, we prayed with two people that raised their hands and said, we we want to we wanna be saved today. And, and if that's you, I want you to know more than anything else, Jesus didn't come to condemn you. He came to save you. That's the message of Christmas. And this morning, if you're here and, and you would just like to pray to have your sins forgiven and your life transformed, I would like nothing more than to pray with you today about that. And I'm not going to call you out or embarrass you. I just want to ask you, if you need to be a part of this next prayer, would you raise your hand real high where you are? And I'd love to include you in this prayer this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else this morning? All right, what I want to ask you to do is if you would pray this prayer out loud, everybody in this room with me, and if you're coming to Jesus today, would you pray this from the deepest place of your heart? Let's all pray together. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for seeking me out. I know that you came to save me, and I need to be saved. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of everything I've ever done wrong. And wash it away and change me from the inside out. Jesus, give me a new heart and a new spirit to live for you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen.